0: Well, uh, there's been a lot of talk about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. And someone whose perspective I so often enjoy is Dan Kovalik. Uh, Dan Kovalik is, uh, a human rights activist, a labor rights lawyer, and an author of, uh, of many books, including The Plot to Scapegoat Russia. And he's kind enough to join us this morning. Hello there, Dan.
1: Frank, so good to talk to you. Thanks for having me.
0: I know it's a tough hour. I appreciate you being available this early.
1: Very happy to be with you.
0: Now, uh Dan, you are you're on the left end of the political spectrum. I'm not going out on a limb by saying that, right?
1: <laughs> no, you're not. Okay.
0: Now, unlike a lot of us, uh, so I'm guessing you're not necessarily a fan of Donald Trump, right?
1: Um no, no, and I'm I'm not, but I'm not a Trump hater either. I see the the good Side of him as well. But I didn't vote for him. No.
0: Now, um, one of the things that first um, interested me about you is that even though you are on the leftward end of this political spectrum during the whole Russia Gate probe, even before Mueller had issued his report, you were one of the first people, even though you're not necessarily a fan of Donald Trump, you didn't vote for him. You were one of the first people to come out and say, this is all a hoax. And you wrote the book The plot to scapegoat Russia. Now, why were you so confident so early on that this whole Russia gate, this whole notion of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, why were you so confident so early on that that was all just fooey?
1: Well, I, I agree with one commentator who say, said that the Russiagate scandal is, was a scandal without any, any allegations. That is to say, even if you believed everything that was true about what was being said, none of it ever amounted to much. Um, you know, basically, there were allegations that uh, someone in Russia hacked the DNC computer, which exposed Uh, The truth that the Democratic Party had unfairly kneecapped Bernie Sanders uh, during the primary. And by the way, it turned out there was never proof that Russia had had done that. Um, But again, even if you believe that, that didn't seem to be a horribly significant thing. He had claims that um, Russians had some Facebook and Twitter posts that, by the way, weren't even particularly partisan. there was the steel dossier, which has been utterly debunked, which again didn't really show that Russia influenced the election uh so I mean the whole point is i none of it smelled right to me that 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 there was any legitimate claim that Russia interfered in the election and certainly not in a way that had any significance um, and so it really bothered me that. That there was this almost mania, at least among some of the the population uh, of Russia interfering in the election when it seemed to me that the election was won and lost because – Hillary Clinton called her own working class base deplorables
0: right? Right. Well, and, right and a number there are a number of other factors uh, that uh, i 'm sure you could attribute that uh, that loss to by the way, what do you think uh, there 's been this this probe by Durham? Uh, the uh, the independent counsel or the special prosecutor investigating the origins of this RussiaGate probe, and one of the Hillary Clinton attorneys, Michael Sussman, is getting ready to go to trial, and uh, Durham's trying to get new evidence introduced in that trial. Where do you see all this stuff with Durham ending up, Dan? Well, I think
1: you know, first of all, what it's what he. Uh, is being tried for relates to the uh, Steele dossier, which was this dossier which was supposed to show uh, connections between Russia and Trump, and it had some salacious uh, details in there. Again, it appears that Hillary's team uh, might have actually helped fund the creation of that dossier and, and uh, there's some issues of whether they properly reported the money, and that appears to be what the investigation's about. And I think, you know, it's going to show again that it, this was all the whole RussiaGate scandal was, was manufactured uh, largely by the Clinton campaign to, is an alibi for why they lost to Donald Trump.
0: We also heard a lot about uh, two years ago about the story regarding the information on Hunter Biden's laptop being a Russian disinformation campaign. This was a theory uh, signed off on by a lot of leading members of the intelligence community, uh, current and former, and uh, this was something that was never supported by the, the evidence. Why do you think so many intelligent, reputable people – were willing to believe that this Hunter Biden laptop story was all just a result of Russian disinformation.
1: Well, you know, I wonder if they really did believe that. It seemed to me that there was a consensus that came out. That story came out, I believe, in the summer of of 2020. And, of course, could have had the chance of derailing Joe Biden's campaign. And I think there was some consensus amongst the intelligence community, who, by the way, were the ones that also pushed the Russiagate scandal for their own reasons. And there was a consensus that they did not want Trump to win and and that this could have thrown the election to him. And so they poo-pooed that whole story, even though we know now that it it was rock, you know, rock solid in terms of being truthful, uh, that in fact, Hunter Biden definitely was involved in some conduct regarding Ukraine and China that uh, that was at least uh, questionable, if not unethical, if not illegal. So, um, you know, it seems like uh, the intelligence community, like other uh, institutions in the U.S., uh, is swayed by politics mm. uh, a lot of times.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Now, um, let me ask you about this war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine now. Now, the shocking news this week, uh, which has a lot of Americans really worked up, is these claims of atrocities in Buka atrocities purportedly carried out by Russian soldiers on civilians in Bukha. What's your take on what we're seeing and the reports of these atrocities taking place in Bukha?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of questions as to whether uh, those reports are correct. And in fact, the Pentagon itself is saying that there needs to be an investigation and they're withholding judgment. Uh, Russia itself has called for an independent investigation and went to the Security Council to do so. And in fact, other – and then other uh, countries, I believe the UK uh, was one, actually opposed having an independent investigation. So I think there's a lot of questions as to whether that was a real event, and I think we have to ask those questions at this moment. During war, uh, there's a lot of propaganda from both sides, obviously. Um, and I think it's important to withhold judgment. I think there is some reason to believe that that it might have been staged to, um, you know, to pin on the Russians. And again, I think that has to be considered. At the same time, look, during war there are war crimes. I mean, the war crimes go with any war. I mean, sadly, and so if if if, and again, my guess is both sides are committing uh, war crimes, and there's some. Evidence of that. Uh, But again, I think we need to withhold uh, judgment
0: now, um, speaking of the U.N. Security Council, the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, virtually addressed them yesterday. Here's a portion of what he said. If, if there, there is, is no alternative and no, no option,
1: option, then the next I option would be to you solve yourself, yourself altogether. And I know that uh, you can admit we that, that if there is nothing we that you can us. do, besides what they will be doing. Ukraine needs peace. Europe needs peace. Yeah. And the world needs Very
0: peace. So essentially, Zelensky called for removing Russia from the U.N. Security Council. What's your take on that? Well, there's
1: absolutely no base. First of all, there is no way to do that within the U.N. charter. That is to say, there these are permanent members. Russia is mm. a permanent member. There's five permanent members of the Security Council. There's nothing within the U.N. charter that created the Security Council to remove a permanent member. It's never been done. And let's be honest, uh, you know, the U.S. is engaged in aggressive wars against other countries without Security Council authorization in places like Iraq, Yugoslavia. And, of course, in, in Libya, uh, they went way beyond the Security Council authorization and overthrowing Gaddafi. The point is that no one considered throwing the U.S. off. I mean, that is to say I don't see a basis for that, and I don't think it would be correct. Um, The whole point of the U.N. and the Security Council is to maintain peace and international security. And it gives a certain voice to uh, to different countries. And I I don't see a basis uh, for changing that now. And again, I, I don't think there's even a legal basis for doing that.
0: Now, speaking of Zelensky, I have been amazed at the extent to which he has become a, an international rock star. There was a Pew Research survey uh, that came out this week, which showed that Americans, Americans, not Ukrainians, Americans have a 72% approval rating of Zelensky. And it's greater among um, the American people than any other international leader, including Biden, including the uh, chancellor of Germany, including Macron in France. In your view, what's driving this Zelensky mania?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, propaganda is. I mean, Americans take that view because the mainstream is almost uh, in unison on deifying or at least sanctifying uh this man. I'm not saying he's he's a bad man, although I think he's got a lot of flaws, for one, and there's a great story on the gray zone that Max Blumenthal did on this. He well, Max was on yesterday did. actually. Oh yeah, he gave in to um uh the neo Nazi uh, groups there under duress, by the way, not because he necessarily wanted to, but because they pressured him to allow them to continue to have the influence they've had in Ukraine. And I, you know, the other thing is, I think he was put up by the U.S. to provoke Russia to not give in to some of their very reasonable demands about not having Ukraine and NATO, about stopping attacking Uh, The Donbass region where these two republics are, which has been happening since 2014, 14,000 people died in that conflict. And he would give no concessions on that. And I think largely uh, concessions that could have uh, prevented this uh, war. Uh, And I think largely because the U.S. pressured him to do it. And that is to say, you know, I'm not sure even how much authority he has in any of this. He seems to be to me to be more or less under the sway of the U.S. And so, I, you know, I don't I don't have a huge amount of respect for him. But again, he he is a media creation. And so many people in this country are media creations. And of course, the danger is a lot of those people end up uh, following. I remember one guy in particular named Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> people people called themselves Cuomo sexuals. And then within months. The guy was resigning over uh, sexual harassment allegations Uh, and the fact that –
0: yeah. No, my colleague Bernard McGurk uh, pointed that out, uh, In he said maybe Zelensky a year from now will be viewed the same way that Cuomo – was after being uh beatified by the media or Dr. Anthony Fauci, who seems to have the halo removed from his uh, media profile these days. Hey, you know, another one of my colleagues recently may uh, uh, I heard I heard this person say that Russia attacked a democracy. Now, there's no question that Russia attacked Ukraine, but would you characterize Ukraine as a democracy?
1: I would not. I mean, first of all, the you know the government in 2014 uh, was put in power. The government of Poroshenko, which immediately preceded Zelensky, was put in power through a coup d'état, a non, uh, a uh, non extra constitutional coup d'état. And in fact, um, uh, Poroshenko would would admit that later that it was a coup, uh, which the U.S. had supported. And that was never straightened out. That is to say, then elections followed uh, that elected Zelensky that never undid that coup. So I would say that alone made it undemocratic. But also Zelensky himself has put uh, opposition leaders in jail, journalists in jail. So I
0: would say that it's not a democracy. The news came out uh, last night that uh, the U.S. is going to be sending up to $100 million in additional military aid to Ukraine. Uh, this includes anti-armor systems. This includes uh, Javelin anti-armor systems. This includes all sorts of $100 million worth of military equipment. A lot of people view this as... Uh, America trying to help out a country that is being bullied by a country that has far greater military might. And this is our best way to help keep them alive. What's your take on whether this is a wise move or or an imprudent move?
1: Well, I think from the point of view of the Ukrainians, it's an imprudent move. I, I think, look, militarily, the Russians have more or less already won this thing. They've destroyed most of uh, Ukraine's capabilities and, and a huge amount of their personnel capabilities, you know, meaning their uh, their actual troops. Ukraine cannot win this thing. Uh, arms being sent in now will merely prolong the war and prolong the suffering of the Ukrainian people. And again, I don't think the U. I'll be honest. I don't think the U.S. cares about Ukraine or the Ukrainians they are to me they clearly want this war to be prolonged in order to uh weaken russia in the way that they wanted the afghan war to do the same to the soviet union this is all about a conflict between russia and mostly the united states and nato in part uh with ukraine in the middle being sacrificed so what's again, driving think, this yeah.
0: uh, wh- wh- who do you think is the ones that are egging for conflict with russia because a lot of people who've been paying attention to this story they might say well look you know you know the united states didn't force russia to invade its neighbor they did that on their own um what do you say to that number one and number two who or what is driving this desire for hostility between the united states and ukraine i mean russia
1: Right. Well, first of all, yes, Russia obviously did invade on its own, but I think it saw some very significant security threats to itself, including the fact that, as I mentioned, you've had this eight-year war uh, that Kiev's been uh, launching against their own Russian ethnic population in Ukraine. By the way, those are also Russian citizens. You should understand they're dual citizens. I think that's a holdover from the Soviet Union. So their own citizens are being attacked, and they saw that tens of thousands of Ukrainian troops were being lined up along the Donbass border. Um, They believed, the Russians believed, to attack the Donbass and take back those two breakaway republics. And Russia decided... Again, from their point of view, they had to move in to stop that and to prevent um, a huge bloodshed in, in, in that region. At least that's their perspective, which at least is a reasonable or or, uh, or understandable position whether you defend it or not. And the U.S., I think, wanted this conflict, wanted to push them into this. And why? Who's doing it? It's sectors of uh, Washington, Um, There are uh, people in government and in the defense industry whose goal is to destabilize Russia, and they thought this war might do that and the economic sanctions that would inevitably follow. And, of course, the defense industry is making huge profits on this and are admitting that this crisis is good for them. They're always pushing for more war. And again, I think there's sectors in the White House and other parts of the U.S. government doing that. Now, that said, there's others pushing against that. Interestingly, from what I understand from Colonel Douglas McGregor, who was an advisor. Sure, to him, he's, been,
0: he's a regular guest on this show as well. Right. He
1: thinks the Pentagon itself, and actually Joe Biden, to the extent he's able to stand up to anyone, because I do think he is in not the best shape, Uh, that those two forces actually don't want a greater conflict uh, with Russia. And that's why the Pentagon is leaking things, saying that, well, you know, actually Russia is kind of going out of its way to make sure that they don't kill civilians to the extent they can. They said, we don't think they're going to use chemical weapons. And again, they said this week, you know, we're not sure that that massacre that was claimed to have happened actually happened. So, you have forces uh, opposing this, but you also have uh, forces who really want to escalate this.
0: Dan, uh, we're going to have to end it there. I appreciate the time this morning. I'll look forward to our next conversation.